Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to another episode of Kotaku Split Screen. My name is Jason Schreier. Kirk Hamilton is not here this week, but we have a very special substitute for him. Mike Fahey, the longtime Kotaku veteran and snack taku aficionado. Uh, Mike will be joining us to talk a little bit about Final Fantasy XIV. We're going to talk about uh, Seventh Dragon 3 Code VFD. Yes, that's the real name. And Mike is going to regale us with stories of his anime girl fetish. <laughs> Should be a fun one. Welcome. Thanks for listening, as always. Right, Michael Fahey is here. Hi, Mike. Hello, Jason. This is my first visit to the podcast studio. It is your first office. visit. Hopefully, hopefully things will work this time. Uh, unlike the last episode we recorded, which just totally was a total failure on my part. I thought we were going to let that be seamless and just pretend it didn't happen. No, I I think I told people the last like after it happened. I think I told people on the following episode that we had recorded an episode, and then my microphone was full of these like terrible, terrible noises. I blame the Gawker Media video department for this, by the way. I blame demons. I blame. Uh, yeah, it's also demons' fault. Anyway, we are here for another episode. Kotaku split screen. Uh, Kirk is out this week. He's on vacation somewhere or another, collecting Pokemon somewhere. So I am joined by the inimitable Mike Fahey. He is uh, uh, the. Are you the oldest? Uh, not like the most veteran Kotaku employee, the longest, or is that Ashcraft? It's Ashcraft, and Luke and I started on the same basic weekend. So, uh-huh. so yeah, Ash first, then Luke and I. And you guys started in 2006? Right, we're coming up on 10 years in November. Wow, congrats. You should get two sabbaticals instead of just one. I know, I should get a nice watch, and maybe they could you know, sell a company to somebody else. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> anyway, uh, so uh, we have lots to talk about today. Uh, should we briefly talk about the phenomenon that's sweeping the nation right now? And well, by that, of course, I mean Seventh Dragon Code. Seventh Dragon <laughs> v- Code FD. Wait, Seventh Dragon Three Code VFD. The phenomenon yes. sweeping the nation. All the kids are talking about it. I was in the street yeah. earlier. And there were like five people just gathered around in the street playing Seventh Dragon. <laughs> and it's weird because there's no multiplayer. No, yeah, very strange. I, I can't walk through Manhattan without seeing people just like glued to their 3DSs playing Seventh Dragon. <laughs> and it's dangerous. I mean, people are playing it and, and luring people to, to, to get robbed for yeah, Seventh Dragon. Yeah, people are playing it while they're driving and getting into car accidents. It's horrible, yeah. Oh, uh, but at least businesses are doing well, luring people in with their seventh dragon, their collectible dragons that they're there. We have dragons here. Come on in. Yeah, come come collect dragons. Um, the actual phenomenon is, of course, Pokemon Go, uh, which is 
a boring game that everybody loves. <laughs> a boring game? It's only boring if you play by yourself in your office. Uh, no, I've been playing uh, while walking through the streets of Manhattan, which is hilarious, by the way. You can't walk through Manhattan without seeing people everywhere playing it. Um, but yeah, it's just a kind of a janky game. I mean, I live in I live in um, in the suburbs of Atlanta, and you. I mean, I drive through my apartment complex, which is by no means a fancy apartment complex, and there are people walking through our apartment complex catching me out, which I that's incredible. About. It's everywhere. It's literally like you cannot go anywhere without seeing people catching Pokemon. Which is, I mean, I it, I can't think of any game that's been bigger than this. Even like Candy Crush and Farmville, even that stuff wasn't as nearly as ubiquitous as as Pokemon Go has been uh, over the past week. Can you think of any games that have been this big? No, I mean the, you, you mentioned Farmville and the, the social media stuff. Candy Crush, they got a lot of mentions in mainstream press, but people are actively seeking out information on Pokemon Go. I think it helped that there's no instructions really in the game, just like a quick like thumb through, so yeah. people are really searching for it. But it's it's kind of it's heated up. It's driven community events. It's and nothing like that. I mean, you, know, you didn't see people getting together to show off their farms. I mean, maybe they were. <laughs> I, I didn't want to be near them. Yeah. They, maybe they were just doing it online. They weren't doing it in person. Um, but, yeah, and there's definitely in, in the time that I've been in Kotaku, I've been in Kotaku for four and a half years. You've been here for almost ten years. I can't think of any game that's just, like, driven more interest overall. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I mean, I put up that poll for the team names. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's gotten 125,000 responses to a poll. It's, <laughs> it, it makes no sense. It's just yeah. bonkers. And that was something I was just like, huh, I wonder what other people chose because I chose this one. And I thought I'd just put that up there just to to see. And uh, you might hear my kids in the background. That happens. Um, but I put it up just you know on a whim thinking you know maybe this will get a few hits or get some people talking about their stuff and it's yeah it's like one of the most massive posts i've ever posted on kotaku <laughs> like six hundred thousand pages seven hundred thousand pages something like that it's insanity and, and oh, like you man. said earlier the game's not great <laughs> no it's not fun it's not really that good i i, I, I mean I, I walk around the area i'm like oh look a zubat another zubat and, and i can't imagine this will, will go on for long i i imagine i mean i give it a week I think yeah. in a week, no one will be talking about this anymore. It'll be something else. I don't know. It's so hard to tell because these things are always, they always move in, in fat. It's always a fat. Like the MOBA thing. I mean, I guess people are still playing MOBAs, but it's always like the games industry is always cyclical. Um, so people try to copy World of Warcraft. People try to copy League of Legends. It always winds up. People try to copy Farmville. Now, after this, there are going to be a million games that all come out and try to do the whole ARG thing and copy Pokemon Go, and none of them are going to work. So many, so many companies today, like this week, are going out and getting money that will just be thrown into a, a giant flaming uh, pit. Yeah, we actually did the Photoshop contest this uh, this past week. Uh, was uh, everything must go, which is people taking other major properties and trying to make Pokemon Go s games uh, out of them. Uh-huh. Uh, my personal favorite were uh, p- personal favorites were CSGO, uh, which is kind of redundant, uh, and uh, Mirror's Edge Go. That puts Rails for you to jump on, oh, on rooftops. <laughs> they're not actually there, but they're you know they're there in your AR. So if you want to try jumping those, 
<laughs> Incredible. Um, but yeah, but everyone else is talking about Pokemon Go. I don't feel like we need to talk no, about it that much on split good. screen. But what we do need to talk about is uh, a game that both of us love quite a bit. Um, and something I've talked about. Three, no, <laughs> no I haven't tried that one yet. And something that I've talked about on the on split screen a fair amount before, uh, which is Final Fantasy fourteen. Um, which I and many other Final Fantasy fans had originally kind of ignored because it's an MMO and Final Fantasy fans like playing single player games, playing RPGs in their living rooms with no one no one around to bother them. Um, but I jumped into that at some point last year and just a couple days ago, earlier this week, I finally got into beat everything that comes before Heavensward, the newest expansion. So I've just entered the the town, the city of Ishgard or the country of Ishgard where Heavensward takes place. So I'm just about to start all that stuff. And man, the story really gets good <laughs> towards the end there, doesn't it? It does, and I really envy you having uh, not having a deadline for that. Because when I when I was at the point you were, I <clears throat> excuse me when I was at the point you were, I had just uh, finished the the initial two point content uh, when Heaven's Word came out, and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm at the end. I'll just I'll just hop right into the expansion pack. Right, because you had to review Heaven's Word. Yeah, yeah. So I and then I realized that I was nowhere near the end. There were hours oh, upon no. hours upon hours of content left. And uh, yeah, it really takes a long time. Those uh, that post post main story quest thing. Yeah, my kids are really upset about it too. They were like, you know, just now upset. They're they're complaining, but no, it's a rich it's a rich story, and and it's worth playing through. And I I hated kind of having to rush through it, and you got to experience it step by step. Well, I don't know. Even playing it step by step, it got it drags on. So there's some. So the way that the story works for those of you who aren't super familiar with the game is there's a main story that you go through while leveling from one to fifty, and that was what was released with the main game when it came out when A Realm Reborn came out in 2013. Was it 2014? It was. I don't remember. Thirteen or fourteen? One of those. I think it was thirteen. Yeah, I think it was thirteen 13. too. Yeah. And then so what they did was after the main story, they started releasing these patches every few months that added new content and new story stuff to the game. Um, the first two patches, two point one, two point two, two point three, were kind of self-contained stories based around each was based around a different uh, summon creature, primal they're called in the game, like Leviathan and Ramu, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and those were kind of like, I don't know, I thought those were kind of lame, actually. They were kind of boring. There were a lot of fetch quests and stuff like that. But then after it gets into 2.4 and 2.5, it starts like building up this really epic, incredible story that... Uh, that you okay? Sorry, my kids are doing something. I don't know. This is the fun of working from home when you have two five-year-olds. Yeah, well, I can't hear them, really. I don't Good. know if they're being picked up by the microphone, so Thank we're goodness. okay. I, 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 will, I will yell for them in case you can't hear them next time. <laughs> Leave <laughs> him alone. Do. Please they're do. They're yelling. But anyway, so the 2.4 and 2.5 stuff, and I don't know, when you were playing it, were you like like paying attention to when each patch, like the breaks of each patch? Because I was looking through like a guide with a name so I could tell when each patch was. I was actually looking through a, a, a story fact, basically, that took you through each of the missions. So I didn't, I wasn't paying too much attention to when the patches hit, but there was a ton of content in each of those little patches. Yeah. And, uh. It, it, more than I expected. I figured some are better than others, though. Well, yeah, some of them. Which, which ones didn't you like? Yeah. So the first couple I thought were pretty 
lame and too long and full of fetch quests. And then when it gets when it starts getting into the the heavy politics stuff in like two point four, two point five, that's what I really dug. I, I dug that, except for there was a lot of going back and forth between. I mean, I guess there was a point where you were going back and forth between the uh, the sleeping sands. Mm-hmm. Where there's no waking crystal? sands. What the waking sands? Sorry, the, whatever. They're sands. They're sleeping. <laughs> well, they're not. I mean, they were asleep and then they were waking up. And I guess yeah, they're back to sleep at the end of the story. But you were running back and forth between there, and there was no crystal to automatically get out there. Weird. Um, then they move you to. Uh, That's part of the story, though. I, I they actually specifically like give a reason for that. That there's no etherite crystal for a reason. Well, um, I, I guess so. I mean, it didn't work out for Do you remember game. that? They, it, no, well, it, it's like me. this short, it's almost like a throwaway thing where they're like, where uh, uh, M- Minfilia, the main lady, is like, uh, she suspects that like all the nations are like working against her in some way or like they're not really that supportive of the uh, the Scions, the group that you're with. And so that's why they didn't install a crystal there. It was like some some throwaway line that was like, oh, okay, they're trying to explain it. Yeah, great, because it's a lot of trouble to get there, and you know it is, you won't yeah. want to do that unless you know quest pro- quest progression and leveling is involved. No, since- but so what happens is I don't know if you might not remember it super well since you played it a while ago, but I just played it. So what happens is <laughs> you're rolling your eyes. Uh, what happens is you move from the Waking Sands right at the beginning, like right after the main story quest. So all the post-main story quest stuff is just based on your new base, which is in uh, what's it called, Revenant's Toll. Where there is an etherite crystal. Where there is a crystal. Yeah, and it's right there. It's perfect. And so much going back to it over and over again. Yeah. Yeah, that that isn't as bad as like you now you have to go to all three cities and talk to people in each different city to recruit them for your group, or like now you have to go escort this dude and stand watch and kill mobs while he like like examines something. Those quests are kind of annoying. And you have to kill some of the some of the uh, oh gosh, what do they call the, the I, I, I want to call them summons now. Yeah, the yeah, primals. The primals. You have to kill some of them on hard, but not all of them on hard. But you're given quests to kill all of them on hard. Right, right, right. It's a little, little overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so the way that uh, what really surprised me about Final Fantasy XIV, especially these last few patches, is that the story is like really good, and they're characters that you actually really connect to, which seems rare to me. I mean, is there any other MMO that does that? Not with the flair that Final Fantasy does um, when you. Like, World of Warcraft has had some emotional moments in it, but they weren't quite as impactful as, say, when when something caves in and some of your characters that you've been with the whole entire <laughs> game are suddenly gone. You don't know where they are. Yes. And, and they haven't come back for you yet. Yes. Um, spoilers. Uh, I guess that only spoiled you and not anyone else because I was vague enough. But yeah, I really that really impactful uh, that those characters become kind of your life. You spend so much time with them. Um, I mean, yeah, most... well, they turn the kind of the trope of like the quest giver who you have to keep talking to. They turn those into characters that you actually can care about. Right, and so it's not just text; it's it's Minfilia uh, waifu. Um, yeah, <laughs> and her ridiculous outfit. Her her outfit is I'd wear that outfit. That's fine. 
I like the touch. At one point, she comes to you, and you're in a, like a frozen area where it's snowing and stuff. <laughs> and so she's wearing like a parka. <laughs> I was waiting for that too. I was like, "Are these people going to show up wearing that same revealing?" St- nope, parka. No, nope, parka. I gave it yep. points. I had a little uh, check mark next to it. <laughs> it gets an extra score bump on Kotaku. But now you're in Heaven's Word. Have you actually done anything in Heaven's Word, or did you no. get there and then stop? No, so I got there and stopped, and now I have to review I Am Satsuna, the new RPG that's coming out. I just got a code for that. So I, <laughs> you seem a little jealous. Um, a little bit. Uh, yeah, I'm reviewing that. It's but, like it's like that that bad Chrono Chrono. Uh, that, sorry, that bad Chrono Cross uh, prequel. Right? Yeah, good. Good one. Well done. That would have been funnier if, it, if you had actually gotten the words out of your I'm mouth. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I love um, Chrono Cross. Yes. Uh, so I had to put Final Fantasy XIV down for the time being. But yeah, I just got into Heaven Sword. And then I'm still, I'm trying to decide. So I play a paladin and it's fun. Tanking is fun. Um, but I'm trying to decide because I kind of want to try a new class, but I also want to do the Heaven Sword content. So I'm trying to decide what I'm going to do next. Well, um, well, the thing is, the, the, the progression for the Heaven's Word classes, you start each one at like 30. Ooh, good yeah, to know. Yeah, so you don't actually start over at 1. You start at 30, and they're pretty quick. They, they, they've set up quests to where you're not quite repeating things anymore. You're, you've got kind of a plan to go through. Um, so those 20 levels go by relatively quickly, and you're back on track. Um, and if you, like, if you like tanking, there's the, uh, is it Dark or Death Knight? Dark Knight. No, well, I was thinking about trying the Rogue and Ninja classes, actually. Oh, those aren't new, so I mean, those were new. Those were new in uh, in a patch leading up to Heaven's Word. One of the patches. right, right, right. No, I just wanted to try a different, try something other than Paladin. Well, then then you have I to haven't. start over at one, or you can log Ugh. into my character and I, you can play my ninja for a bit. I'm, I haven't done anything with him in a while. Hmm, tempting. No, but I kind of want to level one up on my character. I don't know. I got to figure it out. But anyway, so is the story in Heaven's Word? How far have you gotten in in actual Heaven's Word? I am still. Uh, <laughs> From the last time we talked, I was hovering around the end of 58. I am still at the end of 58. I okay. keep logging on and getting into a dungeon queue, and then something bad happens, and I have to get off the dungeon queue. Um, and so like I, your I, kids start screaming. Like my kids start screaming, the dog explodes, the IRS calls me on the phone, stuff like that. And um, I thought you didn't want to talk about that. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about it. I was just mentioning it. <laughs> about the IRS calling you shit, they, they just, you know, they, they see how I'm doing. That's yeah, the new they just IRS. wanted to say They're hi. They're like, hey, Mike. We're with the IRS, and we just want to know how you're doing. Do you oh, feel man. good about the IRS? Would yeah, you like some just... money? Like <laughs> that. The IRS is well known for giving out money to people. They just hand it out. I don't know how they got such a bad rap. Anyway, um, I'm stuck at 58, uh, like slivers from 59. Every time I log onto the game, I immediately go to the Golden Saucer and, uh, and gamble. And, and then I kind of waste an hour gambling, and then I uh, have no time left to do anything else. Um, how far are you in the actual story of Heaven's Word? Well, uh, the actual story of Heaven's Word, I'm at the story that ends at level 58. Oh, so there's like not gates continue. like that. Yeah, it doesn't continue until 59, uh, and I hate that. And it's getting really interesting. Um, th- there's a whole dragon war going on, uh, which is ending soon in the game, or did it end recently? I think it just ended. It just ended. It was like a big climax to the, the to most the... recent patch, yeah. yeah. Or maybe with the patch that comes out. There's a new patch coming out next week, yeah. And that's going to have the deep dungeon and stuff. And uh, yeah, that that should be the one where the where the whole thing comes to a close. Where it ends, okay. Um, so I still got plenty of that to go through, but it's it's really fascinating. Uh, there's a whole storyline. The the 
the relationship between humans and dragons in this area. Uh, and it's it's multi-layered. It's not dragons are bad, humans are good. Um, those little tiny uh, guys are, are bad. Um, what the, the, yeah, the little tiny guys, you know. Lalafells or Tarutarus. I, I get yeah, mixed up yeah, between yeah. my Final Fantasy XI. The dudes, the syndicate dudes. Yeah, but the dragons, it's it's kind of a, it's complex. It's not just a straight up black and white, oh no, we must save the world from the dragons. Uh, it's 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 well written. It's got wonderful layers to it. And you're in for a real treat once you get there. Mm-hmm. Mm, I'm very excited. Very excited. <laughs> That's your very excited voice. Is that yeah, how you end mm. up with an animated like people drawing animated pictures of you and Kirk for the? Uh... <laughs> you seem a little jealous. It seems like you want an animated picture. Yeah, we got I'm... a great, uh, a great, great fan art uh, of me and Kirk surrounded by JRPG characters. It was wonderful. Yeah, it was beautiful, and 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 it had exactly the amount of hair you have. <laughs> it did. So I'm, I figure if I can get one of those. I'll have exactly the amount of hair you, I have. You, you and I will both have full heads of hair. <laughs> yeah, they just need to draw you, me, Tatillo. <laughs> I don't think uh, anyone else is... Uh, no, I think we're good. That's pretty much covered. Everyone else has thick manes of hair. Luke has beautiful hair. hair. Yeah, Luke, Luke will join us soon. <laughs> um, but anyway, but yeah, I was surprised by... Like, it's the type of game that I would recommend Final Fantasy XIV even to people who are just into single-player Final Fantasies. And so I actually have played most of it on my own without... I mean, so you have to do all these dungeons and trials and stuff with other people, but you don't have to talk to them at all. And so you can really just solo the whole game. The only real downside is the monthly subscription, which kind of sucks. And it's the only game that still has I mean, one of the only major games that still has it. World of Warcraft still has it, but every yeah. other game is is it just you know has gone the free to play, mm-hmm. um, and Square Enix somehow pulls it off. I mean, if they did take the the the, uh, the monthly the monthly fee away, I'm sure they'd have a huge influx of of fans and players. But I don't. Yeah, think... the problem is that you can't really trust Square Enix when it comes to microtransactions. <laughs> oh come on! So what have like, they you... done wrong? <laughs> Can you imagine if it was like all the bravest? Suddenly, Final Fantasy fourteen turned into all the bravest. Or the game I'm playing on my phone now with the, uh, um, what's it called? Exivus? Exivus. <laughs> Did you notice that there's there's an X? The XVI in that is sixteen. <gasps> yeah, so that that's actually secretly Final Fantasy sixteen. I mean, it's faster than we got 15, so <laughs> that was probably it. They're like, we're done with 16. Can we just That's release it. this? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I get why they do the monthly sub thing. Clearly, it works for them, and they're mm-hmm. doing well enough, I guess. I actually, I asked uh, Yoshida, the uh, the director of the game, I asked him at E3 how many subscribers they had, and he said, we don't talk about that. So mm-hmm. I guess edict is they're not allowed to say. And it's much better than what we... <laughs> With headlines when Blizzard would announce their WoW numbers, and we'd be like, WoW numbers down, 1 million. WoW numbers up again, (laughs) 200,000. Just a constant cycle. Yeah, but but the monthly fee, I mean, I get why they do it. And they also, they add so much content on such a regular basis that it's justified having to pay that much. Because, like... If that was the only game you played, and for most people it's unreasonable to have just one game that they play, but if Final Fantasy XIV is the only game you play and you pay the monthly sub, you're getting so much stuff. Like, there's so much you can do in that game. Oh my gosh, sell it. Sell it, Jason. 
Yeah. <laughs> There's so much you can do in the game. We are, $14.95 a month, we you are, get so much stuff. We are not – we, should we should we shit on Square Enix a little bit just to make sure that people know we're not being paid by them? I, I've been shitting on Square Enix since Final Fantasy thirteen came out, and they got it to us a week after the embargo was up. And I had to spend oh, an fun. entire week just sitting there playing Final Fantasy thirteen with no, barely any sleep on my floor. Oh, man. So that Square Enix can, 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 can suck it. Uh, I'm looking forward to that for fifteen. Oh, no, they'll do it to you. It'll be great. You'll be sleeping on your floor, waking up, playing, falling asleep on the floor with a controller in your hand. Ugh. <sighs> well, uh, but anyway, uh, we are we are not being paid by Square Enix to talk about this game. <laughs> and just to prove that, we will say that Final Fantasy thirteen and its sequels are hot garbage hey, and should never no, have been no, released. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Like, no, I just like saying no, no, no. It sounds really good in my ears right now. Don't tell me you're a Final Fantasy Thirteen fan. I, I like some of the story. I, I don't like how it ended. Um, uh, it didn't go in a direction I wanted it to, but I like the basic story at first. Mm. I, I, I was into it. And mm. I also like that I like two girl robots that turn into a motorcycle. So <laughs> that is that's like the perfect video game for you. You should someone should make a game that's just two girl robots turning into Minecraft like all, and it would be the Mike Fahey experience. I'm pretty sure they have that already. I mm. mean, let's talk about the differences here real quick between the the, the RPGs you like. I mean, Final Fantasy is common ground for us, but when it gets, okay. comes down to it, uh, I, I I tend to like more Japanese flavored things, and by that I mean fan servicey things. <laughs> By that you mean naked anime chicks? They're not naked. Okay, if they were naked. naked if, if I wanted chicks. naked anime chicks, I could type naked anime chicks into Google. Uh, it's the working for it by going through turn-based battles that makes it special. <laughs> like the uh, what's that one that that Alice released? Dungeon something? Dungeon Travelers or something like that? That was a. There was one that was like really bad. It was like you go through and they take off their clothes based on each dungeon. Was it the one on PC? No, I think no. it was 3DS or something. There's several of them. I mean, I have the the monster. There's so many. Monster Mon piece was the the kind of a card game with the rubbing the cards, and then they released the oh, kind of a yeah. dungeon version of that. And oh, I have yeah. that. I imported that. I actually have it on the shelf right here. Um, <laughs> and lots of monster <laughs> rubbing, and their clothes come off. Uh, there's another one I play on Steam that came out that was uh, just horrible. You had to download a patch for it in order to have it uh, do all the things, but you, it's a dungeon filled with animal girls, like anthropomorphic <laughs> animal women, uh-huh. and 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 or monsters like a slime woman and a, a demon woman, and you have to fight them. And critical hits will take their clothes off, and then you capture them, and they go into a jail, and you can recruit them to your team. Those little things. I mean, they don't they don't titillate me. Like I, I was, you know, 
13 or 14. I can imagine if I was a teenager, I, I'd be really excited by them. But it's just the the absurdity that they exist that really gets me. <laughs> so and you it, play them because you're they're you're amazed by how absurd they. are? I'm reading them for the articles, Jason. <laughs> it's fair. I mean, I have a so wife that's, and kids. You're playing and, them for the gameplay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have a wife and kids. Every once in a while, I'll show my wife this thing and go, "Look at this! I'm rubbing this card, and its clothes come off." And she'll be like, "That's hilarious!" And I'll be like, "Do you show your yeah, kids?" Yeah, great. I'll be in my office if you need me, and then I lock the door. Have you showed um, Archer and Seamus? I, see, the thing with Archer and Seamus is they're, they're, still, they're still just past the age where they were you know, nursing and all that. So that, that's, that, that's food for them. <laughs> if I showed them that, One they day just want me to go to grow McDonald's. Up. They're going to grow up and they're going to see your collection of toys and anime girls. And they're going to be like, Dad, what is this? I don't have a collection of anime girls. I have two anime well, <laughs> two I think two for, qualifies as a collection. I have two and then a bunch more in the drawers behind me you can't see two them. and a bunch more definitely qualifies as a collection but really i collect other things i mean i have pokemon here i have stuffed animals transformers games i'm kind of a pack rat when it comes down to it um <laughs> so it's just another thing that these things all look the same they make me happy i will put them together so the real question is how much of that collection are you gonna have to sell the next time the irs calls they just give me money jason we talked about this <laughs> They're like, hey, Mike, you need some more toys? Maybe they just want to know about the anime girls. They're like, Mike, what is it about these games? I actually, the the IRS person who talked to me earlier today, uh, I won't say why. It's a stupid thing I did when I was young that I'm now uh, paying for. (laughs) But I asked her if she, I asked her at what point. Uh, She said, don't listen to me. I'm just trying to figure something out. And I said, okay, I'll just sit here and play Pokemon Go. And she laughed. I thought she was going to tell me she was playing it. But no, she's like, yeah, so I really need to figure this out. And uh, I was like, oh, sorry. I didn't – I misjudged my audience. Sorry. No, they do not collect Pokemon at the IRS. No. They they collect other things. They go around and, and steal people's livelihoods. They don't steal livelihoods, Jason. Sorry. They, they collect taxes. They collect taxes that we're – since we live here and we're born here and had no choice, right. uh, we have to pay them. The, right. Of course. It's part of uh, making part our, of our society function. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, do you play the Senran Kagura games? Are those... I, I have played the Senran Kagura games. It's okay. Just let it go. Uh, I played the, the, the Booby Ninja games. The Booby Ninja um, games. The brawler, brawler booby games where their clothes come out as they're fighting. And, and, and if that were just it, if it were just girls getting their clothes knocked off, it wouldn't be a good series. It wouldn't sell a lot. But it's actually it's a lot of fun. It's a, it's a great little system. Uh, it, it feels good to fight that way. Uh, the new, the, I was about to say nudity. Wow. <laughs> The nudity doesn't factor into it, Jason. The nudity. You're really having trouble speaking today. It's been a Did long we, day. I'm actually having, I'm, I'm, I'm coming over a cold, coming over a cold. See? Um, I have a bit of a summer cold, and I, I, I'm all metted up right now, so it's making my tongue do weird things. But the Senran the Kagura games, or the Booby Ninja games, uh, they're, they're so outrageous that it's hard to take any of their, their eroticism with finger quotes you can't see because this is a podcast. It's it's hard to take them seriously. What other uh-huh. uh, B plus or P plus or whatever it is they're bringing out um, Gun Gal. Uh, on but the here's the question that I always wonder okay. about this. So people always say people who enjoy these types of games are always like, yeah, these are great games regardless. But I mean, would you still care about these games if they didn't have like jiggling breasts everywhere and anime girls without clothes on? I don't understand the question. 
Like, would you? Would they... <laughs> no, I understood the question. Uh, I mean, they they do draw attention. Uh, I think they are the kind of niche games uh, that that would have sold better, say, ten years ago. But mm-hmm. people still want to make them, and they kind of use it as a hook to get people to still play them. Um, but ultimately, they're, they're, they're maybe not. I mean, I don't know. Well, so like when say. I play a game, I was playing Zero Time Dilemma, and mm-hmm. have you played that yet? I've not played Zero oh, Time Oh, you haven't Dilemma. finished the Virtue's Last Reward. Yeah, Virtue's Last Reward. Um, but in Zero Time Dilemma, just like in the previous two games, there's one character who just has giant tits and cleavage just for the sake of having that stuff. Like, it's not like uh, there's no reason for it. There's It's not part of her character in any way. It's just like she just has to be the character wearing the outfit that exposes her boobs. Um, and it's kind of distracting. It's not even like like that attractive. <laughs> okay, conversely, and, and I, will, I will give you this, I mean, I've known people, I've grown up around like the burlesque, uh, the burlesque community and the con circuit, and there were women who have giant breasts, uh, not giant, but, you know, big breasts, who dress conspicuously, and they don't mention it. They don't act like they're, you know, they're promiscuous. It's just the way they dress. So it is just another no, sort but, of human No, but I'm not being. talking about – no, no, no. But I'm not talking about – like if you look at this woman in Zero Time Dilemma, she's not wearing just like – it's not like a low-cut like halter top or something like reasonable that someone would wear. It's literally an outfit that's just designed. Oh, oh you're talking about the, 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 the one who's dressed in the Egyptian gear in the first game? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like okay. that thing, it's just like a ring that covers there is, her. There is no reason for that and I don't understand it. If there was – I mean I was hoping that there would be some kind of explanation for that. But you've basically just spoiled it and told me there is not no sorry spoilers um yeah well so that that to me seems like i don't know egregious and like almost embarrassing and distracting from the overall quality of the game no i'm not talking about like like if a character is like is is if it's like a perfectly normal woman character where who happens to wear an outfit that like shows cleavage but it's like a normal outfit then whatever i mean it's you know jason i've known women who've worn egyptian rings just you know going to the office (laughs) or the supermarket yeah of course it's their choice and it's not our place to question it. Sure, yeah. Like, isn't there one character who has k- kitty ears and pink hair? Uh, pink Certainly hair, pink yeah. hair. Yeah. But that's, I mean, that's, I'm just uh, imagining the kitty ears. I'm filling them sure. in. Sure. Yeah. And, and that's that's normal every single day. <laughs> it is. No, I don't know. I mean, I'll, what they can make whatever artistic choices they want. It just is like, I don't know, sometimes it's a bummer because it feels so distracting and, and uh, takes away from the game in other ways. But anyway, well, it's, but it's, the... Well, we're not anywaying yet, mister. I'm taking control here. Well, see, okay, it's the product it. of a different culture, and their culture reacts differently. And I know this is an argument that people get into, and they're like, no, it doesn't matter, blah, 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 they should change. Sure. Or, or they shouldn't change, but... It's, I see it as a product of a different culture. They throw a character like that in to sell some copies. And over there, it's not a big deal. Over here, it is a big deal. Um, I mean, I... Well, I, I don't I, know. I wouldn't say it's a big deal. When I'm playing Zero Time Dilemma, I'm not like, oh, my God, this offends me so much. I'm going to put this down. Zero Time Dilemma. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, this conversation is exactly what they wanted to bring to us. <laughs> um, yeah, but but they uh it's just like it's just like kind of mildly distracting in a way that I wish it wasn't. Like I see that character and I'm like, "Oh, I'm sitting here on the subway playing this game and like I have to like hide hide the Vita, like push it up a little bit so no one can see this giant titty woman on my screen." Oh my gosh. Well, see, <laughs> now I've noticed since since I've been working with you at Kotaka for these past several years, I mean, you, you kind of have a different you you have a very specific um Set of sensibilities as far as that's concerned. So a game like that, 
for you is is embarrassing. And I, you've used the word before in the past for other games, mm-hmm. and and it really kind of opened my eyes because I'm like, this is just a game I play. What's going on? And you're like, this is embarrassing. And I'm like, I, well, I guess some people could see it that way. I mean, I've never had that problem. If I had the big the the big booby game on my 3ds. I might go to the person next to me and go, look at this. Isn't that hilarious? Can you oh, really, was, if you lived in New York and you commuted on the subway every day, do you think you'd play that on the subway? If I lived in New York, I'd take taxis every day or walk. I can't, uh, I'm claustrophobic. Last time I was in New York in 2007 was the last, uh, well, not the last time I was in New York. I was there this year. But the last time I rode the subway was 2007 mm-hmm. uh, because I got claustrophobic and had like kind of a panic attack. Yeah. Okay. So, um, well, <laughs> that's not really the point I was making. If, if you were on a bus or something, if I was on a bus. The last time I rode a bus was two thousand. Okay, no. Michael. <laughs> <laughs> if I was waiting in line at like the, 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 I probably wouldn't. I don't really talk to people sure. that much. No, but I mean, social. it's the type of thing. Okay, okay. So, and so. no, and for even forgetting about other people, it's just like when I'm playing this game, it's like it makes me think. Oh yeah, look, it's this character with her like giant cleavage and ridiculous outfit. It's kind of like distracting from the the actual story that I want to focus on, and like I want to like this character as a character and the. Her her outfit is just like I don't know. It, it, it's like mildly in, annoying in a way that it wouldn't be if she was wearing something that didn't feel like it was like totally objectifying and creating this this like existing just to serve straight males or, or I or guess gay women. Gay sure, women. Yeah, sure. I, everyone can appreciate the human body. Yeah, I think true. for me it's it's because I grew up. Going but it's to not a human body. That's the thing. That's no it's like well, a, no, of course. And it doesn't um, even like like her in the character. <laughs> I'm really focusing on this one character, but like her breasts don't even like move properly, and like they added too much jiggle effect, and it's just like it's it's not even attractive. I, so I don't what you're get saying is I should skip um, the rest of this one game and go on to zero time dilemma. No, yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, if you want more breasts in your games. But I think for me, it's it's because I grew up in the convention circuit. I, I started going to, to Star Trek conventions. My parents dropped me off at one when I was 13 and just, mm-hmm. you know, and had me spend the weekend there. Um, I, well, I just, I was supposed to come home and I didn't. But since then, for, for, you know, two decades, I was around convention people all the time. And they're, uh, for someone labeled convention people, they're very unconventional. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. At least you um, pronounce that properly. Shut up. Uh, but they're, they're, it's a different sort of vibe. And if you're hanging out with convention people and you have titties on your uh, screen, I just said titties. I never say that. That's on you. <laughs> but if you have them on your screen, welcome to Katagas Windscreen, the titty podcast. Oh, great. The <laughs> um, sidebar, real quick. I, a while back, we were joking about uh, a, a, a site from years ago that would just post the pictures of sexy women. And I went out and bought the URL BigTittyGaming.com. Oh, my goodness. And I think I still own it. Anyway, but no, you show it to a convention person, and they're open to it. It's fine. They're, they're, it's like a big family. So I guess maybe I don't have the, the experience of hanging out with strangers that someone in New York might have. It's not even hanging out. I don't know. I'm not even – even if I were just playing it by myself, I think it would be a little <laughs> distracting. Um, and it's not like – like I can't even imagine the playing the fan service games. I don't know. I've never really – I just like don't find that visually appealing and aesthetically appealing. Like I think that the characters – the female characters in games who are more like – feel more like real people and less like a man's <laughs> imaginary creation that – 
lot of like what he wants a woman to look like. Like even like Lara Croft in, in the new games is a lot more appealing as a as a as a female character. Or like uh, I'm thinking of like like characters in Final Fantasy games. Like Celis. Celis is the best female hero. Or like right. Samus Prime. Mm-hmm. Uh, those those characters to me feel more like those are more attractive to me, and this is, might just be my personal taste than something where it's like this dude drew this up as his his uh, vision of what a sexy girl looks like. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not really about attractiveness so much to me. I mean, I look at a I look at like a kitty girl statue or a, the, my Hatsune Miku statues over here on the off to the side you can't see. And you know they're cute. Yeah, you're at Sinemikis. Sure, let's just accept that as a perfectly normal thing to have. That's what people have. No, I, I think they're cute. I like the aesthetic. I don't think they're attractive. I don't. Yeah, think when of I them say attractive, that, I'm not talking yeah. about sexually attractive. Well, I know. I'm I know. What you're like saying, aesthetically but, attractive. But I mean, it's it's almost like they're in a different for for fans of this sort of thing. They're in a different category. Sure. Than than you know standard video game woman. Like I can look at a Laura Croft, the new Laura Croft, and go, "Wow, that's the kind of person I would think is attractive in real life." And I, if I saw them in real life, I would come up to them and then turn back around because I'm very shy. But <laughs> but I mean, with anime, the the anime characters, they're, they're it's it's a different. It's like part of my brain has them in a different. They're in a different part of my brain. We'll just the anime it. part of your brain. Yeah, the anime part of my brain. That's what everyone that's, has. That's a wonderful land where stupid things happen. Or dramatic things, but it's sure. definitely fiction, and it doesn't really it doesn't really trigger that part of my brain. I think so, you're not triggered. I mean, if it were if we if we had like Laura Croft in a game, and we had to take off her clothes in like the new Laura Croft to to power her up, I, I know I'd be outraged by that. I, mm-hmm. I would go, "This is horrible. This is like a realistic woman. We're and we're we're treating her like this." But I mean, the anime girls. They, I mean, a lot of people say that you know, if you treat anime girls like this or watch it like this, you'll treat women like this. They're not women at all. They are constructs, and, no, and yeah, so are they're the anime like cartoon boys. characters. Yeah, they're cartoon characters. They're they're like Tom and Jerry when I was growing up. Only they they they're slightly more human shaped. Slightly. It's interesting. I think that in anime, in actual anime, and I say this as someone who doesn't watch any anime, um, but it seems, as an outside observer, it seems like there are a lot of anime that have men who are objectified just as much as women, and like men who are like like the bishonen types who like women can really like be attracted to and and like sexualize in their own ways. Or, well, Sephiroth in that You're cartoon way. Sephiroth. Sure. And Sephiroth sure. and Cloud are, Sephiroth, are pretty, pretty men who are they are pretty know, men who who are there to the, partially designed that way. I mean, because they're soldiers and they're 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 weapons. And they've seen a lot of crap and they should be beaten all to hell um, and and rough <laughs> they and should, scarred. They should be and, more like Barrett, right? They should be more like Barrett with maybe a little less of the vocabulary. Hmm. Um, but they're 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 pristine, shining beauties of of manhood that <laughs> not realistic at all. Yeah, um, I mean, we want realistic men in games. <laughs> I used to joke around that when people were really into like, trying to get realistic body types, uh, I would like, man, put me in a game <laughs> and and have my I have a little meter, so if I walk, I get tired after a while. And uh, oh, you come to a wall. No, you can't go over that wall. That's because <laughs> your your body's too realistic to get over that wall. <laughs> you can't um, you can't move. You can't take the subway. Uh, you're too claustrophobic. Too claustrophobic. Yeah, you can't. Oh, there's a tree. There's a, there's gold bars up in that tree, but there's, you're not climbing that tree. Look at me, buddy. 
You're not climbing that tree. <laughs> You're not going to do it. Sorry, man. Hey, let's talk about that game that uh, has a ridiculous title that you keep playing and Pokemon say Go? is incredible. Uh, no. Oh, man. <laughs> seventh. So let's let's let me try to do this. Seventh do Code Dragon. Mm-hmm. No, Seventh Dragon Three Code VFD. Right. And, the, and again, I, I posted in my review recently that the, the name makes sense in context, but it's a context we haven't had in, in the Western world. Because, right, because this is the first Seventh Dragon game that we've actually gotten. Right. So there was Seventh Dragon, and then there was Seventh Dragon 2020, and then Seventh Dragon 2022, which is uh, 2020, and then the Roman numeral 2. Yeah, this and context definitely makes sense. It, it does. It totally makes sense. No, it, it's, it's, it was a progression that if we'd had the original Seventh Dragon, we'd be like... This would be like Kingdom Hearts 386 drops days transfer excellent, <laughs> which sure. is totally a game, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's the newest Kingdom Hearts. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to have some radio silence now. Oh, sorry. Hi. So you were talking about the game. It was something you wanted to know about the game? You just want to bring it up uh, for a second? Yeah. Thing? Yes. I wanted you to tell me a little bit about it. Uh, it's actually a really it's a really nifty game. It's it's set in the in, in kind of a futuristic land uh, where there's a VR game, and your character that you make you create goes into this VR area and goes through a dungeon and does very well and gets recruited into this force to try to save humanity from these dragons that threaten all of existence. Uh, the thing about it is, it's a game where you create your own character. Uh, it doesn't have like a cloud. It doesn't have a defined role. And I generally hate those. I, I, I don't like them. But what Sega has done, uh, the original series was developed by Image Epoch. Mm-hmm. But Sega took it over because Image Epoch is dead. Uh, what they did is they have uh, like a certain number of characters you can do, all these different bodies, and then 40 different voices they've recorded for the characters. So you get to select like 20 men and 20 women. And it's all in Japanese, mind you. But you can select specific voice actors for your characters. Interesting. So they've recorded the dialogue. They have really strong NPCs backing you up. So What really kind of game? Like is it a dungeon crawler? It's not so much a dungeon crawler. It's more of a traditional turn-based RPG, really. You're running across maps. You get into random encounters. You fight bosses and dragons. Are there, like, towns and uh, NPCs and all There's that There's kind stuff? of a central hub that's almost sort of dark cloudish. really. You have a central hub that starts off with just, like, a conference room. It's a business... Uh, like a business headquarters for this company called Nodens that uh, is running this whole uh, VR operation and anti-dragon project. And as you defeat dragons, you get points that you can use to construct new buildings within new rooms within that. So if you go to, say, like the first missions take you to Atlantis, um, you start rescuing refugees. You can use the dragon points you get to build uh, an Atlantis evac ward. And suddenly you'll have a floor that's all these people you rescue, and they'll have quests for you uh, and and various other things for you to do there. Mm. Um, You'll construct new items, uh, new item levels that'll give you more powerful items. Uh, There's a hospital, a medical ward. There's a sky lounge where you can date characters, which gets a little creepy in one instance. But oh no, (laughs) no wonder you love this game. No, I don't. There's the one. I don't normally get creeped out, but there's just one moment where there's a character who is really young. We'll just leave it at that. I mean, the, basically these dates, they never don't show anything graphic. It's implied that something happens. But after the one where you court the girl who's obviously 14 or something, it's... Oh, Lord. Yeah, it's just like, 
oh, oh, squeaky. So why is this? So is it because Sega bought Atlas and the two companies merged and now Atlas is handling so much of Sega's localization? Is that why this is the first Seventh Dragon game that we got in the U.S.? I'm not sure what it was. I mean, it was, I I think it's because Sega actually developed it. And it's like, well, we want to, I mean, they took over development from Image, Image Epoch. A lot of people who worked at Image Epoch worked on the game. But I mean, this is a Sega-developed game, and they're like, "Well, this is our game. We might as well get this over to, to overseas." Yeah, it's not like this is a you know the Yakuza game or something. I'm sorry. <laughs> don't they the, make the Yakuza games? They do, but they don't the care about stuff. them. Yeah, <laughs> we're getting a Yakuza game though. I played one at E3. No, but Yakuza I do think I, I, yeah, but that's true. We're getting we're getting several of them, aren't we? Uh, we got one already, five for oh, PS3. Oh, that's right. Luke was all on about it. He's yeah. like the one guy at our site that cares. And, well, because um, it's a PS3 game that just came out like in 2015, like last year, late last year or something. Yeah, who even has a PS3 anymore? Not, uh, I mean, mine is still there, but not plugged in. Yeah, I'm looking at mine, and it's underneath a bunch of stuff. Yeah, that's the st- state of most PS3s, is just PS3. untouched. But um, it's, it's been, it, it was plugged in more recently than the Xbox 360. Hmm. So. Hmm. Congrats, mm. Sony wins the console war in Mike's, Mike Fahey's house. Well, they might win this one too. Who knows? Um, <laughs> but no, it's uh, yeah. I think uh, Atlas having having uh, something to do with them uh, certainly helped. It, I, I, da, 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 da. You know? No, what? Does that ever happen to you while you're while you're talking, or you you always so confident and strong? That I just trail off and say bubba like speak gibberish. Exactly like that. Good job. You couldn't even get gibberish out, Jason. What the hell? <laughs> I um, was imitating you. Sure. Okay, we'll go with that. No, but uh, Atlas certainly, I'm sure, had an influence on that as well. Um, it's really nice, actually. There's a lot of Japanese stuff coming from Sega now. I mean, for years we were like, oh, this sucks. They're not going to bring this over. They're not going to bring this over. I mean, we've got all the Hatsune Miku games. Did you hear my joy in my voice as I said earlier? Yeah, name? you're so happy about I'm that. I'm so happy. Um, but the Hatsune Miku game. Have you gone to a Hatsune Miku, Miku concert? I have not. I have not. I'm not sure I would go. Why I mean, I, th- what fascinates me about her is that it's an electronic voice given life, and she doesn't exist. But she has all these songs attributed to her. Um, and that's I find that fascinating. But it, so wouldn't it, even, wouldn't it be even more fascinating to see her live? I'm not good at swinging glow sticks. <laughs> and you have to. If you've seen any of the videos, everyone can have a special sticks. area of the concert where you like the press area where you just sit there quietly and watch. I don't think so. I don't think I don't think it would really have the effect on me. I mean, it's 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 a hologram and it's obviously fake. Yeah, I don't think I'd see her in concert. I, I it's it's a lot of trouble to go to a venue and dress up and, and too much work. Oh, dress up. When you say dress up, do you mean like in your in your Miku clothes? A tuxedo and a nice hat and a fursuit. Okay. You know, just the normal things that you wear when you're going out to a concert. A tuxedo and, and a fur tail. like. <laughs> well, no, you need the full fursuit and then a tuxedo that fits over it. You oh, that's over the fursuit. It. You need the got whole it. fur ass in there. I got um, it. <laughs> but, yeah, it's a lot of trouble to go see a virtual performer. I, I, I mean, she's not going to sign my autograph, is she? Is she going to... No, and maybe your hand will me backstage. Yeah. And we'll fall in love. <laughs> is that why you go to concerts so you can that's go exactly backstage why I go to and fall in love? Yeah, that, that's why I went to the Jackson Five when I was little. Mm. My first concert. Mm. Um, yeah, and, and 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 they disappointed me. I guess I was, I guess I was too old for them. Um, <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Sorry. Oh boy! Oh boy! It's <sighs> not that kind of show, Mike. 
I didn't. I didn't say anything. I don't know what you're implying. <laughs> but um, anyway, it's the Seventh Dragon Code. So it's good. You recommend it to people. It's good. I recommend it to people. I recommend it to people who like experimenting with uh, with stats and skills. There's a lot of different ways to build your team. You end up with three different teams of nine of three different teams of three characters. So you have different combinations. There's, and you create them all. You create them all. Yes. There's nine different character classes. One is technically the same character class with two different weapons. But you create them all. You give them. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. That's kind of a turnoff, like uh, having to make your own characters and not having characters with personality, because it's hard to really care about the story when you don't actually have protagonists. Yeah, but with these characters, for some reason, it kind of resonated with me. I think it's because of their interactions with the NPCs, and and they kind of like fill in the blanks for you. Okay. So after a while, my 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 character Fahey was, well, I guess naming him Fahey helped. Hmm. Um, but you have to switch teams from time to time, and, and there'll be a different leader for that team. And those people just felt kind of like, yes, this is part of my unit. This is part of my dragging, elite dragging slaying, dragging? My elite dragon slaying crew. You are really just having a meltdown today. I am on cold medicine, Jason. <laughs> it's not my fault. It's okay. We readers, Kajaka readers forgive you. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. But lots of lots of stats, uh, lots of skill points to fill in, lots of different ways to level your character and form your group. Uh, great, uh, great graphics for a 3DS game. You know, really pretty standard graphics for a 3DS RPG. They kind of all have that similar feel. Yeah, they all look the same. Yeah, but it's uh, and, and nice music. And well, except Dragon Quest. Dragon Quest Seven is coming out soon. The port <sighs> of that, and that looks pretty different. Yeah, if you're into that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah are you not a Dragon Quest person? I've never really been a Dragon Quest person. What was the the first big one that came out on the PlayStation? Uh, seven. PlayStation 2. Um, with the guy with the red bandana and the Well, that was eight. Guy. But seven was, eight. was the first big one to come out in the U.S. That, like, really okay. was... I mean, the first one obviously came out here, too. And uh, I forgot what order or which ones came here and which ones didn't. A few didn't. But seven was, like, the big marquee one on PS1. And then yeah. eight was PS2. Yeah, eight was PS2. That came out, and I was I was like, oh, cool, a new RPG. And I and I guess, and this is gonna make anime fans hate me, but I I couldn't really get into those character designs. Mm-hmm. It was like a Dragon Ball Dragon Ball cartoon come so to life. So you're saying was, they needed to be more sexualized? They they need to be more sexualized. They need cat ears. Uh, I don't <laughs> know if they did. Eventually, there are some bunnies in the series. They're like you find, uh, in I think in their cause there are casinos where you go and they're like bunny ladies. I think, well, in, in in real life, there are casinos you can go to that are bunny ladies, but, you know, these are actually... Right, bunnies. I know. I'm saying in Dragon Quest. You're saying it's too much like real life for you? Maybe that's it. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe maybe the designs of, of uh, Dragon Ball creator Akira Toriyama something. Toriyama? Thank you. Toriyama. They're, they're just too realistic for me. Yeah. It makes sense. A lot of people, a lot of people see things that way. A lot of people are like, "Wow, that Dragon Ball Z!" Just, I would like it, but it's just too realistic, man. It's just like it's like I'm like looking out my window. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> in your case, it's like looking at your desk full of statues. 
If only you people could see this. I'm not giving you a picture for this post. No, don't worry. I, I wasn't planning on it. I was planning on posting a picture of just like like anime girls taking each other's clothes off. Uh, the, there are several of them coming out. Gun Gal from uh, B Plus, the new the new publisher that's, that's decided to take on all the uh, the anime girl stuff. Uh-huh. They're also releasing the Valkyrie Drive, whatever it is, game from the creator of the Booby Ninja games. Mm. The one where the girls have to make out with each other in order to transform the other one into a weapon. Huh. Yeah, they're bringing that to the West as well. I think it's B+. They don't care. They just don't give a damn anymore. (laughs) Power to them for doing what they want to do. We'll be those guys. Sure, yeah. Hey, if you want to release the the anime girl games, go for it. Power. I will. Power to you. Um, Are you playing anything else that you want us to talk about? Uh, right now I am playing <laughs> right now I'm playing um, Hatsune Miku Project Diva Future Tone, which is a Japanese release with over two hundred and twenty songs split up into two different games. Is this a new one? This is the new one, yeah. It was released in Japan at the end of June and I had to actually I had to actually talk over my children who were screaming in the background. It's and okay. uh, I had to get a PlayStation Network card, I had to buy it online for Japan. Uh, for like uh, on a um, Japanese PSN account? Yeah. Yeah, so since you can't put an American credit card in a Japanese PSN account, you have to buy cards, buy uh, digital cards online. Huh. So I had to buy like a 11,000 yen card. This is on card. Vita or PS4? PS4. Okay. Yeah, Vita's a whole other problem. I mean, if Vita, if Vita games, you want to get uh, physical copies because you it's switching between uh, English and Japanese PSN accounts on a Vita requires you to basically wipe the system. Yeah, don't you need a new memory card for each? Yeah, you need to swap memory cards out and then reset the whole system, basically. Oh, man. What a mess. Start over. Yeah. yeah. So I don't bother with that. Get the cards. Uh, the game's on card. But um, PlayStation Network, you can literally sign up for a PlayStation Network account in Japan, a uh, Japanese PlayStation Network account, in a minute. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. And then I went to, um, I guess, Play Asia. I'm sorry I mentioned Play Asia. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> But I went to play Asian and bought a digital code and got it in like you know thirty minutes and then I downloaded, I downloaded twenty so well it's eleven twelve gigs and then it expands into twenty seven. The weird thing is, downloading a game from Japanese PSN is much faster than downloading a game from North American PSN. It makes sense. It makes perfect sense because you know the, the, have you ever downloaded something that took a long time on? I mean you have magical office internet so. No, but not at home. And my home is where I get most of my PS4 games. And yeah, that sucks. It takes forever. And this is oh, just yeah. like Japan's like, oh, you want some over there? Here you go. We got plenty of internets. That's so funny. Our anime girls are generating it in our in our in our robot dungeons. Mm. <laughs> That's what Japan is like. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> That's how most people envision Japan. I've never been there because I was punished the one time I had a chance to go. You were punished. Yeah, I was punished. 2007, back in the old days of Kotaku. Yeah, tell the story. Wild, it was a wild and unruly time. Yeah, tell the story. We gotta, we gotta talk a little bit about some old school Kotaku days. Old school Kotaku was weird. I mean, nowadays we're all, we kind of have a free form sort of thing and we can write what we want. Back then it was kind of more of a, it was almost like a mill. I mean, you had to get posts done every, it was like three posts an hour on the hour and, like, one person was responsible for 12 of those over a six-hour period. So it, there was no, there was no, I'm going to sit back and relax and write the story up for a while. It was, it was, oh, crap, let's throw out this, uh, 
this press release, this mm-hmm. this image. We couldn't even do videos back then at the early days because they took up too much bandwidth and they were worried about them. Uh-huh. Um, but anyway, no, Jason, uh, Jason, you're Jason. Uh, <laughs> I am. Brian, Hi, Brian, welcome, Brian, welcome to Kotaku. The, the team at the time was Brian Crescente, Luke Plunkett, Ashcraft. Um, we had, oh my gosh, I can't remember his name. I'm getting so old. We had a different weekend guy um, who, the guy who ran Gay Gamer. Oh, well, you don't remember it either. <laughs> but we had a handful Shout of guys. Shout out to him. Shout out to him. I'm so sorry. I forgot your name. You look like Wolverine. I remember you. Um, but we went to E3 one year, and we basically back then we had the whole team fly down because the team was relatively small. So we'd have Ash and Luke come in from Japan. Uh, and that first year, 2007, I my train uh, got not derailed but shut down on the way to the airport. I got there like maybe 10 minutes before the, the – no, well, 10 minutes before the cutoff for checking in. But somehow they wouldn't let me check in because the flights were all full and they were getting people on the planes early. So I missed my flight to L.A. I missed basically my entire first day of E3. And I called up Crescente uh, and his first words were like, are you are you here yet? I'm like, oh, my, my <laughs> flight, my flight, I got delayed. And I was so, it was so new to Kotaku and didn't understand how anything worked. And I was so terrified. I cried on the phone. It was just pathetic. I was in oh, tears because I missed my trip to E3. So I wound up uh I wound up getting off the phone with him. He was very angry. Uh he told me Nick Denon wanted me fired uh for missing the flight. It was basically just I was a horrible person and uh, so I I bought a new ticket the next morning with my own money. I didn't even didn't expense it or anything. I just bought a new ticket with my own money uh-huh. and and flew out there and and I I think that same weekend I ended up losing my glasses and uh I lost my glasses in a cab after a Bethesda party. So not only was I late, I was pretty much useless for several days because I couldn't see anything. <laughs> oh, man. And he, they were very upset with that. So when the t- time came around for Tokyo Game Show in 2007, everybody went. But they needed one guy to watch the, the, the place while everyone was flying or traveling. So I was told that as punishment, and it wasn't even you know like an implied punishment, it was... As punishment for your 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 performance at E3, uh, you're going to be staying home to your game show. <laughs> wow, that really sucks. And I was like, I've never been to Japan. I always wanted to go. And they're like, sorry, maybe next year. Oh, no. That was the last year we all went, yeah. by the way. After <laughs> I, that, it was like maybe two people went and, so, and eventually it ended up just being Ash and yeah, some people local. That's what it is now. Yeah, so back then it was everybody except me. So I spent two days... Um, I think I averaged 35 posts a day for two days. Wow. <laughs> and it was just, and not just, you know, I didn't like just throwing up fluff. So I'd throw up fluff with some you know, background. I'd look up stuff. I just sat there for, I think, 18 hours and then took a nap uh, two days in a row uh, while everyone else flew out. And then I got to see all the stuff they did. They'd do like, here's Kotaku hanging out at this place. Or Kotaku visits this place, and everyone's getting group photos, and I'm just like, you bastards. That's really sad. It was the saddest time. It was just like, not only am I stuck here, but they're rubbing my face in it by saying, here's Kotaku in Japan. You seem like you still haven't gotten over it. I haven't. I've never gotten to Japan. I don't see see a reason, or not a reason, but a a point in time that I'll actually get to go there anytime soon. Um, Well, when our new buyers come and like quadruple our travel budget and we all get to go to Japan just for fun 
then that would be great. The, the, I'm a big guy. Just, just we'll do a funny big guy in Japan thing. Oh yeah, do, do, record do, do, Facebook Live it. Facebook Live the whole thing. I'll put a camera on top of my head, and they can just watch it smacking into things. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, that, on the plus exactly side, we'll do. On the plus side, back then we were paid. Uh, we were all contractors except for Crescente. And and it's all changed since then. We're all salaried employees and Gawker, Gawker employees. But back then we were we were paid, uh, not even hour. We were paid per post. Mm. So those two days that I did do thirty five <laughs> posts, you made a lot of money. I made a ton of money. I probably mm. could have gone to Japan after that if I <laughs> thought about it. it. Yeah, that punishment led to you getting a, a bonus, basically. Yeah, bad Mike. Here's a oh, lot of man. money. Yeah, Kotaku has changed. It's pretty crazy if you think about it. How much we've changed, even like since since like two years ago, three years ago, four years ago. We've just like the site has changed so much from year to year. It's. Are you saying it's changed a lot since you've gotten here? It's changed a lot since. Well, it's changed a lot between. No, it, it has it every has. single just, year. I was just teasing. I know, no, it, and I didn't accept your tease, and I didn't. Yeah. I don't find it funny in any way. Thank you very much, Michael. <laughs> um, no, yeah, it's crazy. Like it used to be, like this, this crazy. Like every twenty minutes, like posting what every single press release, and it, it, we've gotten so much different over the years. And now it's like we're a lot more selective with the things that we write about, and and especially the company news that we talk about. Yeah, and I mean, a couple of years ago during E3, I mean, we recently got through E3, and it was pretty smooth. Mm-hmm. A couple of years ago, it, it wasn't just you know break out the news that we think matters. It was okay. Break out the news now. Do an asset post for all these assets from everything that this company put out, and uh, you know, post all the new something something screens or whatever. And now it's it's just you know, if there's something important that breaks out, we'll share it. But we really want to talk about what happens around E3, yeah. Than than what we're given. At yeah, E3. yeah, exactly. It used to be that, like we, if a company has a trailer, we felt obligated to post it, mm-hmm. and now I think that's changed a lot. Some other sites still operate that way, but I think at Kotaku we've kind of evolved, and we kind of feel like it's better for like if you want every single Ubisoft trailer, go to Ubisoft's YouTube account. If you want like actual interesting observations and news and stories, then come to Kotaku. Yeah, I mean, we generally don't. We generally don't, or try to avoid um, putting out something just because it's there. If I post a trailer, it's because I have something to say about that trailer, right? Or, or, or you find something. it interesting. I, I find it interesting enough, and I don't just say this is interesting. Look at it. And I'm like, this is interesting. Here's why I think it's interest, interesting, and uh, and hopefully you'll appreciate it too. Yeah. And 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 half the time they don't. Um, no, it's just people who, who comment sometimes like to say, that wasn't interesting at all. The moment you say, I think this is interesting. But that's fine. You know, I'm sharing, I'm sharing, I'm sharing video games with people. And that's what this is all about for me. It's been like that for you know, almost 10 years now. Mm-hmm. I want to share gaming with people. I love gaming. Also snacks and toys. And anime but, girls. And anime girls. There's snacks and toys. Um, I'm sorry, that was not. Oh, wow. Whoa. <laughs> that, <laughs> Mike Faye, everyone. Uh, no, that was a joke. We're uh, not editing that out, by the I, way. I don't accept your. Uh, 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 <laughs> but no, I want to share. I want to share video games with people. That's what this is all about. It's sure. never been about. Um, you know, it's never been about money. It's never been about endorsements. It's never been about, been about getting free things. Ultimately, at the end of the day, I, I I see something cool and I want to share it with people, and and I love that, and that's why you know, you know, our readers are important to me because 
they're you know they're who I share it with. They're like, and and I don't just share it saying here take it take it or leave it. I go into the comments. I love reading what other people think of the things I I I, I share with them. Mm-hmm. It's it's just an amazing amazing feeling for me. Yeah, I and, think Kotaku readers are particularly like devoted and interesting people overall, and just like have a lot of cool like thoughtful opinions. And the the comments I read on Kotaku tend to be like like elevated discussions, like high, higher quality than than you normally think. And they weren't always like that. No, yeah. <laughs> Another I mean, thing that's it's, it's changed. Been cultivated. I mean, we'd make jokes about, you know, our comment systems. Every time a new comment system would roll out, we'd be like, it's not going to do anything. It's not going to do anything. People are going to hate it. But I think somehow over the years, um, between our writers and, you know, the comment system and our community policing itself at times, uh, we've come up with an amazing group of people mm-hmm. um, that, that, that really have something to share uh, as well. So it's it's really cool. Mm. Yes, all is good. There's definitely nothing to worry about at Kotaku.com. There's <laughs> definitely no no troubles. <laughs> we have to play this podcast for all uh, prospective buyers of Gawker Media. <laughs> Everything's great at Kotaku. Things are lovely here. Here at Kotaku, Pokemon Ask Go. Your doctor about Kotaku. Look at our traffic. I think we got that. We have the highest week of tra- in traffic in Kotaku history because of Pokemon Go. That's back to that. Yeah, it's ridiculous, and and I it's resisting the urge. You have to resist the urge to post every single thing that happens about Pokemon Go because there is part of it where I mean we don't really get measured on traffic as much as we used to. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure that's it's another thing that's buyers. changed so much. It, yeah, it used to be traffic was everything. Everything was based on it, and now it's all based on you know editorial and and the the quality of stories you put out. But yeah. there's still part of us that's like traffic. You know, the, the, our little ears perk up, especially as older people. Mm. And, and, and so it's like the, the, you have to resist the urge to do every single little Pokemon Well, it's thing. cool. I mean, from, from a writer's perspective, it's like you write things because you want people to read them. And so it's really cool and empowering oh, yeah. and uh, uh, exciting when something is a big hit and you have a lot of readers on something. And it's not like, like everyone – I think a lot of people who are just readers and content consumers on the internet always think of traffic as like this, this poisonous buzzword. It's like, oh, my God, you journalists do everything for traffic but i think you have to like look at it as a more complicated issue than that it's like yes there are definitely websites and including kotaku that sometimes do things where it's like we are hungry for traffic and this will get the most optimal amount of traffic so that's why we're doing this but usually it's like a journalist wants to do something that's really good that also brings in lots of readers because that's our job and that's what like makes us successful is to keep bringing in people and and getting our work read I think what's really helped is that we have a completely separate ad team that that we never talk to. Right. Um, We have nothing to do with that side of the team, which you know has led to some funny things where we'll like trash a game and then the ad for the game is right above our trashy article. (laughs) Um, But I mean, for the most part, when I look at when I look at traffic numbers now, it's not. Oh yeah, we did good. We're gonna get some good money in our ad revenue. It's I look at the traffic <laughs> numbers and go, oh my god, that many people read something I wrote. Yeah, and it's like oh my, I'm. I, it's it's kind of like sometimes I tear up a little. It's really weird. Beautiful, beautiful. Mm, All right, on beautiful. that note, on the note of you tearing <laughs> up, I think we have to wrap things up, Mike Fahey. Um Thank you. Oh, but we didn't talk about my old my, my old sexy stories that you wanted to get to and all the old. Uh, yeah, we were aw. too busy talking. Next time, next time we'll get into your stories of sure. love on in the MMO world. Uh, Scary. 
<laughs> we spent too much time talking about anime girls that, and we couldn't get into your MMO love stories. Oh, I'm sorry. Next time, and next time, next time, maybe on. cut down on your anime girl talk, Jason, and we can get through <laughs> to the next thing. Sometimes I can't help myself, man. You know, know how it is. You're like a 13 year old. Anyway, uh, thank you all for listening. <laughs> As always, this is 13 year old teenage teenage boy Jason Schreier <laughs> reporting in for duty, with, along with fellow teenager Mike Fahey, anime obsessed Mike Fahey. Yatta. Yatta. Uh, thank you all for listening. As always, you can reach Kotaku Split Screen at splitscreen at kotaku.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us nice ratings and reviews because we appreciate that. Don't we, Mike? Sometimes, yeah. Yeah. And uh, Kirk will be back next week. And I think that is all. Enjoy your Pokemon catching for those of you who are doing that thing. Uh, try not to run into traffic. Gotta catch them all. Gotta catch them all. Goodbye, Mike. Farewell.